This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitzmorris, at the, at the wheel, like Ollie. Uh, joining me, the big hitters of uh, the Liverpool LFC Echo and also Blood Red. We've got Joe Rimmer and Paul Gorse. Hello, guys. Hi, Neil. Good to see you, okay? How are we doing, boys? You okay? Keeping safe? Yeah, not bad. Uh, back to lockdown, isn't it? But I, th- I think this is, if you don't have a lockdown, this is the time to do it, isn't it? Post Christmas, when it's dark and cold and windy and just get in the house and stay in the house. Yeah, when there's loads of little chocolates knocking about in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've just spotted yeah. a floor in your plan there, Gordy. Um, yeah, we, we will fight through it. Uh, everyone who's listening, of course, to uh, to this podcast, thank you once again for your support. Really appreciate you being here. And of course, all the other uh, podcasts we do as well, LA Le Rouge, LA Le Rouge, in fact, uh, and all the Blood Red podcasts. Really, really appreciate it. Keep safe, keep wearing your masks. And eventually, we'll, presumably, we'll get through this nonsense. Uh, all right, let's talk all things Liverpool Football Club. We'll start with you, Joe Rimmer. What's gone wrong? No. Um, <laughs> easy to say that, um, but we are clearly in a bit of a, you know, the seasons are troughs and peaks, aren't they? We're, we're uh, sitting arse first in a trough at the moment, aren't we? It, 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 it feels like uh, something's just something's not quite clicking for the Reds, Joe. Definitely, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the most worried aspect of it is... Um, you know, Liverpool have got the well-known injury problems in defence, but it's the attack that doesn't seem to be clicking. And I think that, that for me, you know, is Liverpool's great strength. And in the last few games, they couldn't they couldn't seem to score or, or at least score a couple of goals. And against teams that you'd expect them to, um, the Southampton game was hugely, hugely frustrating. And um, to go, go behind so early, it was annoying. And then... They just didn't seem to recover in the first half. In the second half, they had loads of the ball, but I still never felt like they were going to score. And, and that's kind of been just the, the, the theme of every game recently. Um, and it does worry me because of the, all the hallmarks of, the, of this top side has been fast starts, intense pressure and intensity. Goal scoring has been one of their, their best attributes. And, and then suddenly that's all dried up. And, you know... I personally still think it, it does go back to the central defence. I think, you know, you can track the problems back, moving Fabinho back, the uncertainty in the back four, playing on the full backs and not sitting, you know, not allowing them to get into their best form. And, you know, I, you know, I, I think personally, that's why I think the problems lie. I still think even though they're not conceding that many goals, I think the reason they're not scoring that many is because they're having to compensate for having defenders out. So it's a worry, you know, um, it doesn't look like they're going to buy anyone in January. Um, which you know, we we we're not privy to the details of of why, but I don't know whether that they'll end up living to regret that a little bit. Um, I think they're more so live to regret not buying someone last summer because I think you know it was a huge gamble to go into the season without um, extra strength there in defence, having let Asian Lovren go, and you know I think that that to me was the bigger mistake um, last summer. Well, yeah, um, I just hope they can click back into gear. Hopefully, United is the right spark to get them going again because a big win over United should fill you with confidence and, you know, hopefully can get Liverpool rolling again. But it's difficult to put your finger on. Yeah, pretty much. Well, you pretty much did. You put every finger and your thumb on it. I think, mate, Gordy. I think he's, I think he's absolutely right, mate. It, it, it's, it's that sort of the passing's been poor. I found what's, what's been, what's been kind of the most 
the most you know, most worrying is the lack of any kind of press, the lack of any kind of um, there's no bite to them, is there? There's just seem they just seem to be into this thing now where they're just passing teams to death, which teams are perfectly happy to allow them to do, and then there's none of that cut and thrust. And you know, the only the only I suppose the glimmer is that is that even though it was a huge side in the FA Cup, you got Mane got a couple of goals, got back into the scoring kind of groove again. The second half, at least the first half, they were poor, but the second half they seemed to kick it to gear. Um, by adding Thiago and by adding um, Shakiri as well, who are of course playmakers, and I think that's what what Liverpool need. But they're definitely not firing. And um, and with with Joe saying what he just said there about not getting left back, that that's that's it's unthinkable, isn't it, that we go in? I know it's difficult, Paul. I know it's really difficult to get anyone in January because of the circumstances, the time, and other clubs don't want to let the big players go. But I mean, it's a must, isn't it? Uh, for me, it is, yeah. But um, you know, Klopp's been insistent that, that that's not going to be the case. And, and I think when was it now Thursday in his press conference? I think that was his, the kind of the most he's pulled the curtain back to kind of say, look, Liverpool are, are really struggling financially. Um, he, he's hinted at it a few times last summer, but I think he was he was working from a position of power then, where he had the knowledge that look, I'm the man who's led Liverpool to the Premier League and, and with the champions of England, and we've got. Virgil van Dijk fit, Joe Gomez, Matip, and so we're going to be okay. But now when he says it, people are, are a bit more, a bit less hesitant to kind of just put the faith in them because they know that um, Liverpool are a Fabinho injury away from really, really being, you know, up, up the creek. Um, I'm thinking now, I mean, you, Fabinho's been fantastic all season, but I, I agree with Joe, it does have a knock-on effect in midfield when you're playing one of the best holding midfielders out of position and Captain Jordan Henderson's playing at centre back against Southampton, and you can't look at either of those two midfielders in defence and, and point that as to the, the the big reason why they lost at Southampton. But it no doubt has a, has a knock on effect when you've got Thiago, who's barely played, Oxley Chamberlain's played even less, and, and both of those two are starting in midfield with Juan who's probably played too much. Um, it's just a it, it just does does have an, a, a knock on effect, and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking. At what point do you think X player couldn't do a job for Liverpool over the next three or four months? Because um, there's not that many who I think, oh, I wouldn't fancy him, or I wouldn't have him, or wouldn't have him. Because, okay, once Matip's fit, then you know whoever this player is is, is probably going to drop to the bench. But given Matip's injury problems over the last you know 18 months, two years, probably his entire Liverpool career, he's proven that he can't stay fit for a prolonged period. So. If someone wants to come in, they're going to be playing Champions League, Champions League games, big games in the Premier League, and and, and I just wonder whether um, they can't. There has to be someone out there who Liverpool can afford in in the short term. Well, I, I totally agree. I mean, let's just go back, just going back briefly to the Southampton game. Klopp playing Henderson as a, as a um, a centre back was 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 a, a real head scratching moment for me. I even felt, and I did tweet this out after the match. I even felt that it was a it felt like a statement. It felt like Klopp was was saying to the owners, "This is what I've got to do." And, and more importantly, he didn't move him when it was quite clear that the the motivation that team needed uh, was in Jordan Henderson, who was motivated, runs around the pitch, gets everywhere, chases everyone, shouts at everyone, encourages everyone. He had him locked as a centre back, so he couldn't do any of those things. And it felt to me like it was almost—I wouldn't say sacrifice because I don't believe the Klopp it had, at any stage wants to sacrifice points. But I do feel like he was making a statement to the owners 
by saying this is is the shape of things to come if we don't get if we don't get things sorted out which begs the question that the club owners I wonder happy that we won the league last season and, and you know not really concerned about about trying to retain the title because if what you're saying is right and, and and it seems to be it seems to be what we're getting from Klopp the little sort of messages we're getting from him uh, that, that that there is not going to be an acquisition of a centre back it could be cardiology let's hope it is but if there isn't a, an acquisition of, of a centre back um, come the end of the transfer window then then Liverpool are going to struggle all season and and, and that for me is 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 a is a mark of intent by the owners to just be quite happy with where they are and. And not really um, be too worried about trying to retain the title, Joe. Yeah, I don't. I don't know whether I, I fully agree on on the owners. I just think that they have a very, very clear way that they want to do things, and that includes that doesn't just include the owners, and that includes the sporting director Michael Edwards. I think it includes Klopp to an extent, and I don't think that they will change that way of thinking, even even at a time like this. But I do think. Personally, I do think there, are, there should be times when you say, all right, we are, you know, this is an exceptional situation. We, we, we didn't expect to have such bad injuries, let alone so many of them. And, and and you do change. And look, it's easier for us to say, isn't it, sitting on a podcast and I don't know the finances involved. And, you know, it has, there has been a worldwide pandemic. And perhaps in the past, Liverpool might have said, you know what, we will. You know, we, let's say, and I'm not saying that they're going to sign Ben White, but let's say that they, they decided Ben White was the man for them. And that, you know, I think maybe in the past, Liverpool might have looked at it and gone, we can get him for 30 in the summer, but do we pay 40 now, 50 now? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I do I do think there should be times when you compromise and say, look, you know, I think Carragher put something in his column the other week about Liverpool will absolutely kick themselves if they don't win the league this year. And, and I think they will, because I think they're by far and away the best team in this league. But I think circumstances have caught up on them and now they look tired. And, um, you know, I don't think anywhere near United are anywhere near as good a team. I don't think City are the team that they were. Liverpool, to me, have got the quality to, to, to win this league. But it'd be a shame if injuries are the one that keeps them keeps them from doing it. I just want to say on the Southampton game as well, the other, the other thing that has just come to mind that really frustrated me was just... One of the most greatest strengths is their crossing. But it sometimes seems to be getting to the point now where they're just lumping crosses in for the sake of it. And I and I think they did they break a record in the, the Southampton game for the amount of cr- crosses they've made in the last few years. Anyway, but it just felt like it felt like all the two fullbacks were doing was just get a crossing, get a crossing, and, and and we'll create a goal somehow. But that's not Liverpool. Liverpool are better than that. You know, they they do put a lot of crosses in, but they put them from good positions. They put quality in. They work across. They don't just from deep, lump it in and, and hope for the best. And, you know, they don't have the players that can go and rise and win headers to do that. So I just find that hugely frustrating. And to see them do that pretty much for the whole game, you could tell it wasn't going to work. But that was a frustration as well. But, yeah, I mean, back to the centre-half. Personally, I do think that they, they should compromise, but perhaps that's easier said. Well, I mean, you, you one of my next questions to the pair of you were going to be... Um, about Liverpool's tactics, uh, so you, so we might as well get there now. Um, you know, it, 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 it's clear, isn't it? And it was from last season onwards that the, the only way most teams can handle Liverpool playing them is to is to load the boxes, to park a bus, is to park a bus and say to Liverpool, "We'll cross them in because we'll have ten in the box," and um, I, I, and you won't you won't get there. You know, more often than not, last season they did get there. But when you're running on that kind of stats and when you're trying to 
squeeze a ball between 10 players to try and find one of yours. You're going to run out of luck. And, and I think that's been happening. Do you think Liverpool need to reassess the way they're attacking clubs now and, and to start moving through the middle? Obviously, the acquisition of Thiago is, is important for that. But like a box set moves to the body to drop the guard, Liverpool need to start moving through the middle, I think, to, to create those chances for the wings and alternate the play. I sit around Liverpool fans watching the game and they're all shouting the same thing. We need a better strategy than just lumping them into the box. We need to go through the middle more, Paul. Yeah, and I, th I think that's going to be one of the key things for, for Thiago once he's fit and firing and, and completely up and running is uh, the different dimensions that, that he brings to Liverpool. We, we've seen it when he come off the bench against Aston Villa and, OK, you can make the huge caveat that it was, you know, Aston Villa's under-18s or whatever, but um, you've seen it straight away. Just um, so often Liverpool get it in, in central areas and they look to go wide, they look to feed Robertson, they look to feed Trent Alexander-Arnold, but um, Thiago's passes were a bit more um, bit more vertical, if you like, trying to break the lines. And um, there was one that he, he put Manny, Manny in early on and then he uh, played in Shaqiri, who played in Salah for the fourth. Um, so I think key to that is obviously getting him up and running. I think they've just been a bit unlucky that he's been one of the one of the many who's who've been struck down for, for not weeks but, but months. You know, he was out for two and a half months between the, the Everton game and, and the um the Newcastle game when he come on for twenty minutes and he's still waiting to to get up and running. But I think over the next couple of weeks um he can do that and he will be given the chance to and, and uh, can't come soon enough to be honest because as we mentioned there just Liverpool looking a bit predictable at the moment with, with the, the crosses that are just being slung in. At times, for the sake of it, when teams have got nine in the box and Liverpool have got perhaps just a Firmino or, or a Mane in the box. Um, West Brom, you know, West Brom had that, that blueprint, didn't he? And once Liverpool went ahead, it looked like they were, it was going to be an easy three points, but they clung on and, and stuck to the game plan and, and it worked for them. So hopefully um, that isn't a blueprint that we see too often for the rest of the season because... Uh, just it, it's so poor to watch as a spectacle, and and you know it, it worked sadly. Yeah, it did. And, well, like you say, I mean, a, a, after the seven nil annihilation of Palace, when you think, oh, here we go, this is the Liverpool we're all waiting to see, because we hadn't really. It had, it had been quite a stuttering start. We then get a you know the one one West Brom nil nil Newcastle, and then going down to Southampton. What does it say, Joe, to to the likes of Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, Reese Williams? Isn't quite the deal for me, uh, certainly at, at this stage, at the level he's playing at. I mean, he got found out against West Brom. He got beaten for pace by a kid who, luckily, Allison came out and saved the, the, the attempted strike on goal. But but he, he looked like he was running in treacle. Similarly, against Villa, the young kids went the wrong side of him. Mm. Uh, so kind of swept him aside uh, and got them a goal back uh, or an equalising goal at the time. So then you turn your attention to Nat Phillips. But after what, you know... You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get Cruyff turns from that Phillips, but what you're going to get is you're going to get a solid. He's certainly great in the air as well, and 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 he gets about and he wants to put himself forward. Seems to have seems to have fallen by the wayside in Klopp's plans a little bit though, Joe, because he hasn't really featured at all since. And 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 Reece Williams perhaps he thinks has got a bit more pace, but pace isn't everything when it comes to just being solid at the back. Yeah, I find that. I didn't like what you mentioned before when he played Henderson against against um, Southampton. I thought that I thought that spoke volumes really about what he thinks about those two players. And you know that's no disrespect to Williams and, and Phillips, who are, I think you know will have good careers. But you, I think there's a feeling that they're not quite at the level required to play for Liverpool. And you know Phillips was going to leave the club last summer. That's that's no secret. Um, but 
yeah, I think you can tell. I think Klopp doesn't quite trust them. It'd be interesting to see what he does against United because I think if Matip isn't fit, if he doesn't trust either of those two players to play against Southampton, what does that you know? What's he going to do against United? who have got a really pacey attack. So as you say, it's a, it's a worry, you know. But I think he does he does tend to go for Williams more because of the pace. But yeah, I probably agree with you. I think I do like Phillips. I think he's he's done well. He he just tries to do the basics and. You know, I think of all the things he can do, he can defend. Um, he might not be the quickest, he might not be the best in the ball, but um, he's good in, the, good in the air, seems to read the game quite well. Um, I would have given him the nod. And I would like to see someone play there consistently because I think if you're going to have to cope with someone else, you know, choose Phillips, choose choose Williams and just stick with them. Um, give them a run of games because that kind of helped their confidence against Southampton and, you know, Pop's a brilliant man manager, so I don't want to be too critical, but... It just didn't feel like the right, the right call, um, you know. And, and the other thing I would say, just just uh, Gorsi's point about Liverpool going through the middle, I think it also hasn't helped the cater. Just keeps getting injured because I do think you know he played in that Palace game, and I, I do think he's another you know alongside Thiago, another one of those players that helps Liverpool get the ball through the middle of the park. And you know we, we talk about them going wide too often, but Cater likes to go through the middle. He likes to turn and try and get his head up and pick passes, but. You know, like like Matip, you know they've got two good players there who've got two big problems, and that's just that they're always injured. And you know, I don't think it's unfair to criticise them for being injured too often. You know, unfortunately, you can't rely on them. You know, and that's why someone like Van Dijk, you know, Touchwood when he gets back is so good because he is hardly ever injured. He, he doesn't get these little niggle injuries where it's every a couple couple of weeks missing a couple of games. And you know, for all the cases ability. I don't think anyone doubts his ability, but he's just never, never fit, and, and that's a problem. Um, and again, you know, it's hurt Liverpool recently because I think in an ideal world they'd have had him in the team and it would have given them a different option. Well, that's another frustration. But yeah, centre half is a is an area I'd like him to just pick one and stick with it. It doesn't look like he's quite convinced. No, it doesn't, and, and Paul as well. I mean, uh, to add to the lunacy, Sepp van der Berg out on loan. You know, you just think, are there? Are there points trying to be made here? I don't understand what's going on. I've also found, I have personally as well found, um, a slight difference in the way Jürgen Klopp is is conducting himself, um, just in a kind of a, which which for me seems to point towards the frustration of the club. Uh, the fact that, I keep tip, tipping my glasses to the way down. Um, he just feels like he's a little bit more sort of niggly. He's getting... Picked out by the media a little bit more. He's and and I find Liverpool over the last few seasons have played very much in his image. Have played like a club that really enjoy the game, that get on well with each other, that laugh and joke with each other, and that seems to free up their football. It seems to play this wonderful, expansive kind of confident football, happy football. And then at the end of it, you'd have this big smiling, you know, Jurgen Klopp who's hugging everyone. I know he can't hug so many, but. Um, just seems to be a bit of a frustration getting into him as well. And you wonder what is going on behind closed doors and whether or not that is having a sort of a, a, an effect. Because, listen, Klopp wants to win all the time. And, and you can understand if he's being frustrated at the moment by circumstances beyond his control, of course, with injuries, but also the way the way seem, you know future moves are being planned. And, and do you think there's a bit of a... Do you think there's a bit of a frustration in, in Jürgen Klopp at the moment and, 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 and it's coming out of him? Not, not as much as there was. Um, I think after the after the Everton game, there was there was maybe three or four press conferences on the run where he was really tetchy and spiky and 
look to be in a mood and look to be tired and it just seemed like it was kind of all getting on top of them because the games were coming thick and fast and the press conferences were thick and fast and then the questions and the themes seemed to be, you know, same on the Everton game, same on the fixtures, same on the five subs and that all seemed to be kind of getting to him at a point. I don't think he's, he's as, uh, in the same vein now as he was two or three months ago but on, on the point about Jeff Vandenberg, I mean, I think the writing for him was kind of on the wall when he wasn't in the Lincoln team uh, back in the end of September when Reese Williams was put in and I think that shocked everyone when a player who was at Kidderminster Harriers last season on loan was suddenly playing Liverpool first team ahead of ahead of Shep Vandenberg, a player who Liverpool had tracked quite often, a player who played so much in uh, the Eredivisie. He played, I think it was around about 10 to 15 senior games. Um, so I think I think, think the writing on the wall was, was you know written for him back then and, and it's it's a bit of a surprise to, to hear him getting talked about loaned out now, but... Um, I think when you think that Liverpool have got Joe Matthew to come back and, and Nat Phillips and Reese Williams waiting in the wings, I don't think it's a huge surprise to hear that he, he's going to be loaned out. And um, I'm wondering, you know, what have we come up to, to, to two years this summer that he's been at the club? And um, he's still got plenty of time on his side. He's still young, of course, but um, given. Given who's playing ahead of him at this point, a little bit of a worry for him. But um, on your point about Klopp, I don't think he's as, um, as as visibly frustrated as he was a few months back. Well, that's good to know because it's because it's it's always a bit worrying when you see stuff like that. It, it tends to to give you the impression that, that 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 they're under an immense pressure, which of course we know they are, especially now that they're champions. With someone like Seth Van der Berg, what goes wrong then, Paul or Joe? What what what? They've tracked him. He played. At a senior level, and then he comes to a club and, and and doesn't have any impact at all. Is it a behavioural problem? Does he have a does he have an issue that 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 is is stopping him from moving forward, um, personality wise, or is it simply that he gets to a, the these players get to a club that are that are that things just don't work for John? I mean, we'd be guessing, but I get the feeling for Seth Van der Berg that perhaps he just isn't quite ready for English football. There seems to be, whenever I've seen him, he seems to be a little bit off the pace, a little bit not quite ready physical, physicality-wise. And I don't know, it just, there seems to be something not quite right. You know, I think if you look at like the different end of the scale, but look at someone like Hippier when he came, he wasn't the quickest player, but he adapted, didn't he, to the pace and, you know, was so good in terms of off the ball and, and positioning-wise that he could do it. And, you know, for someone like Seth van der Berg, he's obviously very young and probably isn't quite ready for, for Liverpool just yet. You know, I think I think they'll probably loan him, see how he does on loan, give him another go. Um, but yeah, I do think, with, like Gorsi said, I think when he wasn't involved in those teams, and as you mentioned, they obviously invested money in him. They obviously thought he was very highly rated at the time like Bayern Munich wanted him. For him to not be involved while Liverpool are having a huge centre-back crisis, I think tells you what you need to know about. You know, I, I think he probably does need a loan. Just, uh, it'd be interesting to see where he goes. You know, I think he needs to stay in, in England. Um, and, you know, I think Blackburn been mooted, Paul. Um, I, I saw something about Blackburn. Maybe that'd be a good place. Obviously, Elliot's doing doing well there. So, yeah, so I think he needs to stay in England and, and just try and get used to England, get used to the pace, get used to the, the physicality and get used to the style because it's totally different, you know, I've, I've seen a bit of Dutch football. It's a, it's a hell of a lot slower, I think, than, than English football. So I think it's it's just that for him. 
Yeah, I think that's what I think the pace catches a lot of them up, doesn't he? Well, get, let's go. Let's move forward to Sunday then. Massive game. Liverpool aren't quite fine at the moment, but Paul, I think Joe hinted at it before. Paul, is this the ideal game for it? I know could, people could say United or no, but this is a team that are going to want to play. It's a team that are going to want to show how good they are to Liverpool. And, and, and in many respects, you know, sometimes I feel Liverpool get dragged down by the opponent a little bit. And, and that certainly won't be the case uh, with United on Sunday, will it, Paul? It's the ideal game for Liverpool, yeah, no question. I think Liverpool have really stepped her up when um, when they they've played the bigger fixtures this season. If you think Merseyside Derby, they should have won that, and I think we all know that. Manchester City away was a very decent point, particularly when they were looking exhausted. And then you look at the home games, Arsenal, Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea away was, was Liverpool's best away form to the season, but the Arsenal game, uh, Wolves, Leicester, whenever the, the kind of bigger games have, have shown up this season, so have Liverpool. So, this is going to be the perfect time. It's going to be top of the table clash. You know, whatever happens with Man United at Burnley tonight, we're obviously recording ahead of that game. So it's perfect. The only thing that worries me slightly is uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have no problems um, taking the team to, to Anfield and putting 10, 11 men behind the ball and, and just saying break us down. And we'll look to, to break on the counter attack with the, the pace that they've got with, um, you know, Martial and, and Rashford in particular. Bruno Fernandes is obviously a star of the Premier League and um, that would be my only worry. But I think from what I've seen, I've seen quite a lot of United this season and they, they really beat teams out of sight. They're always kind of a little bit fortunate with, with one or two decisions. Let's face it, they get penalties left and right. They've only had one more than Liverpool this season, I think. But um, over the last few years, they've had something in the region of 40, which is incredible, really, since Oregon Solskjaer has been in charge. Um but uh, if they try to go toe to toe with Liverpool, Liverpool are a better team, better squad. Um, so uh, this has probably come at uh, the ideal time for Liverpool. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. One of my favourite players, and I, I just love seeing him. Unfortunately, he's more coming on for Liverpool than start for Liverpool. But, uh, very, very let you down, Jaden Shakir. He came on you tonight and, 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 and once again offered that little bit of guile, that little bit of cheek, and, uh, and sees a pass, doesn't he? he? And he can cross a ball as well. Should he be featuring more, Joe? Should, has he done enough for you to, to, to feature more? Or is it just in terms of balance of sides? Is he better to come on as an impact player? I'm absolutely with you on Shakiri. I like him, and I think. What the, the one thing that Shakiri does is he, he he's always involved, isn't he? He always creates something, you know, whether it's a goal, whether it's a chance. He just he just just seems to make things happen. And all right, he probably doesn't run as hard as some of the other players. He probably can't run as hard as some of the other players. I don't think he's he's built that way. But but he he's just one of those players that makes things happen. And I think honestly think. I've got a sneaky suspicion he could be quite heavily involved at the weekend. He obviously has history against United. You know, he scored a couple of goals you know, a, few, a couple of years back in a really good win. Um, that sort of ended Jose's reign, didn't it? Didn't he? So I, I just think Liverpool need people that can make things happen now. And, and the front three, they've all had their moments recently, but I think that none of them have really looked like they're, they're in full flight. Whereas Shakiri just seems to have the bit between his teeth since he's come back from injury. Uh, but he's another one, you know, just can't keep himself fit. And it's a shame for him because I, I do wonder what his Liverpool career could have looked like if he'd have kept himself fit um, the entire time because I think he'd have been more heavily involved, would have more goals, um, would be, 
you know, a, a bigger, bigger personality here. But yeah, really excited. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Big fan of Shakiri, and um, don't want him to leave the club. You know, there's, there's obviously been lots of rumours in the last few transfer windows. You know, you always get the feeling he's just one bid away from from moving on. But I just think I just like him. I just like him. I think he's handy to have in the squad. Um, so yeah, I think he might be involved at the weekend, and I wouldn't bet against seeing a Shakiri goal or moment um, that helps the game for Liverpool. I'll tell you what impresses me about him, Ghosty, as well, is that when he first came, um, the biggest accusation against him was that he was a little bit lazy. He was a bit, uh, didn't really get back. You know, was great on the ball when he was interested in the match, but then sort of drifted out out of interest. But I find when he comes in, when he comes on for Liverpool, he's scurrying around after everyone. He's he's really trying to impress, I think, and he's, and he, and he, He's really made up for that, I think. He, he, he's busy. He's busy all the time now. He's busy in defence and attack. Yeah, he's a really good option. And <clears throat> it looked like he was going to leave when it was at the League Cup game against Arsenal. He, he was left out the squad and it, there was interest from Italy. And <clears throat> Liverpool had always kind of put him in the shot window privately. I think there was interest in January last year from Sevilla and Roma, I think, at the time. Liverpool said, um, <clears throat> um, maybe come back in the summer because we want all hands on deck when we're trying to win the league. But he's a player who, who could be could be in the window and it looked like he was going to go, didn't it? But he stayed. And, and to be fair, um, Liverpool beat West Ham in October or November, whenever it was, because of Shaqiri's assist. He, he came on when Liverpool were really struggling and, and he played that ball into Jota and, and got the win. And, and he played a similar ball, I think it was earlier that week, against Michelin for, for Trent, for Jota to score again. And... It's just that ability to to open up a defence, which sometimes isn't always, as we pointed out there earlier in the pod, it's not always evident from from central areas. You know, these were kind of inside the width of the eighteen yard box, you know, straight up the pitch, three balls to to Jota and, and to Trent, and and they've been they've changed the game in a way. So for me, it's just about him getting fit and staying fit, and and he could be a really useful option. Um, <clears throat> if if all three of Liverpool's kind of Reserve forwards are, are fit and fire, and then <clears throat> excuse me, Jot, Jot has got a, a shout to be in the team. But I think first reserve is is Shikari ahead of Minamino, certainly ahead of Origi. So it it it's just on him. Can he stay fit? Can he can he um, kind of prove that to Diego? Like like others, you know, like Matip, like Keita. If if they stay fit, then they've got a role to play. But that is the big if, isn't it? Can they kind of stay? available for selection for a long period of time because there's, there's no doubt that he's a quality player even when he, he's able to show it. Talking of uh, <clears throat> Jota, uh, what is the uh, what is the heads up on any kind of um, return to the side injury-wise? A- anyone got anything on that? Well, the club said on Thursday that he's still in the brace, so um, I would be expecting him back anytime soon. The hope was that he'd be back in training before the end of this month. But, um, like... Like many others, he, he, you know, he's it, it almost changes on a daily basis, doesn't it, with, with some players' fitness. So, um, you know, hopefully he is back in training before the end of this month. But um, Klopp, as recently as Thursday, said he was still in knee brace. So I wouldn't, I'm no doctor, but I wouldn't suggest that is, is good news. I think they should yeah. just wheel him out like Stone Cold Steve Austin in his knee brace. <laughs> just, just get him playing. <laughs> we need him. Well, you know, he can do the last five minutes in an e-brace, can't he? And <laughs> yeah. You still get the impression he's going to put something at the goal anyway. Um, of course, I just have to mention the FA Cup draw last night. It wasn't bad enough for playing them on Sunday. Although I'm, I haven't said that, I've got to be honest with you, I've always been one of these people when it comes to 
any kind of cup tie, I don't really care that we get because at some point you're going to get someone that you need to be at your metal against and and then um, might have been easier to get Crawley Town. But at the same time, um, it's a tasty little thing. How, how do you stand on the whole thing? Are you a fan or not a fan of the FA Cup, Joe? I seem to remember you're not. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I, I must admit, I, there's a big big thing about me in the FA Cup. But, but look, I, I just don't like... I don't like the cliches with every game. I don't like everything that happen, happens in the FA Cup having to be some sort of magic of the FA Cup. It can just be football. And, and Aston Villa, even if they put out a young team, are allowed to score against Liverpool at the, on, on Friday night. You know, when Villa scored that goal, people people made out like, you know, that they, they were a bunch of pub team players and they had no right to score against Liverpool. And I thought, well, it's kind of disrespectful. So, yeah, they are young lads, but, the you know, their young forward, a bit of Barcelona, he obviously isn't a bad player. And um, he was up against Reese Williams. You know, I don't think there's that much of a chasm of of, um, of quality. So it's things like that that just get on my nerves. But I don't I don't dislike the FA Cup as much as I make out. And I, I agree with you. I, I like, look, you can do it the Man City way where you play Crawley Town in every round. But you can you can also do it the proper way, which is, yeah, play play some big teams, knock them out. And um, you know, I, I kind of think you have to at some point. So, if Liverpool get with the United, it sort of energizes the cup run, doesn't it? Um, so, I think if they can get, get knock out United, especially at Old Trafford, then they should be pretty confident they can go and win the cup. And I'd like to see them do the double. I've never seen Liverpool do a double. I've never yeah. seen them do a thing, single until last year, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen them do a double. It's a funny one, isn't it? I, 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 you come to another point I was going to make, Joe. If we ever did a, a sort of a whopper of the week. As a feature on the, on the pod, um, Tony Cascarino has got to be up there. There's a few actually, but let me start with Tony Cascarino, who had the brass balls, shall we say, uh, to turn round after Liverpool beat Villa and say he was disappointed at Klopp and felt that he he um, uh, he, he he didn't treat it. He he was disrespectful to the FA Cup because he put out. He was fully expecting him to put out his youth side against Aston Villa's. Uh, spin your mind back to last season, Mr. Cascarino, when uh, Liverpool's youth team knocked out Everton, virtually the youth team, and then went on to play uh, a, a, a pretty full-strength Aston Villa team who uh, who put them to the sword. Um, people have short memories, don't they, Gosty? They do, yeah. Uh, well, that, the, the Aston Villa game was, was in the Carabao Cup, wasn't it, when Liverpool had to go to Qatar for oh, the Club World Cup, and there was a there was a bit of a Fuffle about that, and some people saying, oh, "I can't believe he's he's disrespecting the League Cup by going to play in the the, the, the World Championship." Would you believe? Um, maybe that's a little uh, microcosm of how some people think in this insular island of, of England that we live. Um, look, with Cascarino, it's just some people just have to get outraged by anything and everything, don't they? You know, there's more. I hear more things every year about disrespecting the cup than I do actually people thinking, "Oh, yeah, the FA Cup, it's great." You know, let's get it involved in some. Some footy, some. I, I think I think the Marine story just <clears throat> encapsulates what the what is great about the FA Cup and what still remains great that a team that playing in the eighth tier of, of English football can play a team who were 161 places above them, and that that whole <clears throat> weekend was was fabulous for everyone who's ever followed a, a game with Marine, and and that is what is good and great about the FA Cup. But that doesn't happen every every single year, does it? Sometimes big clubs play other big clubs, and you know. Managers have got one eyes on bigger fishes that they want to fry, and it's 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 the same thing every single year. And I just despair at the amount of people who are protecting the FA Cup's honour because um, 
people just like to be like something to moan at, don't they? So <clears throat> the reason that Pool played with that stronger team was because that was the work that had gone into it the day before, the day before Liverpool knew about Aston Villa's COVID crisis. So to completely cut the team to ribbons and, and throw in a completely unnamed team and everyone who wasn't part of the meeting had, had to be told what their job was on the day. It would have required a second bits of analysis on videos that they didn't have with players who they didn't know. And you know, let, let's face it, Liverpool had nine days between fixtures, so they could have went there with the stronger team as they liked and, and they would have won the game. So, you know, what, what are they meant to do? They, they put the team out, they won the game, they went through to the next round and let's say no more about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if, if Villa had any worries, they should have just do what Man City do when they're missing a few players and cancel the match. Because that seems to, be, seems to be the done thing for Man City, doesn't it? Oh, we've got a few out. Let's just jib that then. Um, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Let's just touch on the Marine story again because it was it, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I love the story of the of the mobile phone number on the wall for when the ball goes over the backyard, you can call them up. Uh, and get your ball back. Um, and also the fact that Tottenham Hotspur were getting changed in the zest room, that they only have this, uh, this, swimming, this slimming world. Um, brilliant. And for a moment there, you know, for a moment there, when that was a, a Kenzie, was it? Uh, the guy went forward, Kenzie yeah. or Kenzie, and walloped it. Ironically, he was, he, was, he was two foot too far forward. If he'd have hit that from 40 yards instead of 38, um, that would have been sailing into the back of the net. Would have been the goal of the round, one of the goals in the epic of history, uh, and also would have would have would have uh, produced at least a few moments of joy. I mean, it was a pretty professional job done by Tottenham. But even when you see the team coach being clapped in, although yet again, as you just said, Gorsty, that is now being condemned as uh, not following protocol. But still, you know, then players are going to have a day to remember, aren't they, Joe? So they are, you know, that, that look at, you know, how can, talk about the FA Cup, how can you not enjoy what happened there? You know, it was, it was just a great occasion all around. Uh, and, and that is what the FA Cup's about. I just don't like it when it's forced, but there was nothing forced yeah. about it. It was, it was good. It was, you know, and fair play to Tottenham and Mourinho. You know, I thought, you know, we're, we're not shy of putting the boot in on Mourinho, but, you know, I thought he, he conducted himself great. You know, he, he, he was a good sport the entire time. And, you know, seem to give his time to Marine and the staff there, and they've been they've had nothing but praise for Tottenham. So, thought they played their part. It was it was a great occasion, and it was just yeah, it was, it, that you know the guy sitting in the tree and all that. You know, and um, thought it was great. Um, can't knock it. It's just when it starts getting so forced, and you go into every game, and you know, anytime yeah. anyone scores, it's like oh, this is the magic of the cup. It's you know, yeah. a game of professional football. But yeah, yeah that, I don't think it was great. And of course, Mourinho. Fielded a really strong side and um, and showed respect to the FA Cup, which is interesting, isn't it? Because Klopp showed a strong, had a strong side and apparently disrespected the FA Cup. It, it, it is a remarkable thing. I was talking about whopper of the week being Tony Cascarino. Another whopper of the week would be probably uh, Michael Oliver, who uh, last week admitted that he should have sent Jordan Pickford off, um, uh, but they were too busy looking at offsides uh, to decide whether or not he should have gone off. Which brings me to my third whopper of the week which is whoever it is who came up with the idea and whoever sanctioned the idea of this offside rule in football nowadays where the flag doesn't go up till the end of the move. I mean, it is just, has to be one of the worst footballing rules I have ever seen in my life. Go back to the old days when a ball was offside, you put a flag up. Uh, 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 otherwise, and I've been saying this since this came out, uh, the season before last or last season, someone's going to get injured. 
in that interim period between the flag going up and, and the end of the move, and then what happens, Virgil van Dijk, in exactly the same reason, um, a, a ball being adjudged offside, which is why apparently he never got sent off for a pick, but, but then he gets injured. I mean, it, it, that has to be the worst rule of the, I've, I've ever seen in football, Paul, surely. Yeah, I, I, I get so wound up by it when, when I'm at Queens and, and I see it happening. And I shouldn't because I know it's a rule and, and I can see why they do it because they think they let the move play out um, and if it goes in and somehow they're wrong, then the goal will stand. But I think I think the negatives outweigh the positives with regards to, to allowing that to happen because, as you say there, the player is at some point going to get injured and that's happened to Van Dijk earlier this season. And it also skews perception because... Um, particularly Liverpool are a good example really they play that high line don't they so if teams get in behind a few times and have a big chance and then the flag goes up it, in the analysis at a half time and a full time it's still being treated as though they're legitimate chances because yeah. the flag hasn't gone up and they say well, well Liverpool aren't as good as the, at the back as they were last season because they, they're conceding these chances and they're going to get caught out if the flag goes up straight away the chance doesn't develop and you don't have that footage to show and, and there's no there's no thing to suggest that Liverpool are struggling, and I, I, I just think, you know, from from a from a fan perspective, it's infuriating because you you just want to see the flag go up, don't you? Because if if the chance carries on and and you score and and people are celebrating and then it's ruled out, it it can be easily avoidable by just putting the flag up like the way it was in the old days and. I get why they do it, as I say, because it's, sometimes it can be marginal and, and if they've got it wrong and it is deemed to be offside, then um, they've allowed play to go on and, and, and they can award whatever happens from it. But it's just so frustrating to watch um, because, it's, it, as you say, they're a player can be hurt and it, it's just, it, it just doesn't sit right, does it? No, and also, it, it, it's, I presume it's done to aid VAR. So yet again, the enemy that is VAR is... is is the reason behind it, you know, if it's marginally offside and you keep the ball, but it's it, it, like, like you say, Ghosty and Joe, I'll bring it to you. It's just, it just adds to that frustration of, of not being able to celebrate a goal like we used to. I'm sure as well. I've seen at times a season where like someone's been offside and then the players moved on and like a team's won a corner and you think, well, they, they could now score from indirectly from being offside because they've won a corner. And, and I, you know, again, if the flag just went up straight away, all of that would be prevented. My, my thing about it, you know, is football rules have to, they have to develop, don't they? They have to progress and they have to change them. But in the last five years, how many fiddling round have we seen with the rules? You know, it seems like everything is like, they, they seem to be trying to tweak everything to find perfection. And I've said it before, I just think it was fine the way it was. We don't need to keep trying to find perfection. You know, and, and VAR came in, so they started tweaking everything to try and make VAR work better. When it's clear that VAR doesn't work well enough to just be here in the first place, you know, I, I just I find it totally bizarre. And the offside rule, you know, I, I, I still think some of the referees are confused because sometimes you see the flag go up, other times you don't. Sometimes they, like I said, they, a team will win a corner, other times, you know, they, they'll decide it wasn't a corner because it was offside. Players can get injured. As Gorsi said, you start seeing people say, well, they've considered a chance. It's just confusing. It's it's not good for the viewers at home to watch. It doesn't feel good for the referees. It can't, as much as you can criticise Michael Oliver, and rightly so for his decision, it also can't help him that he's having to deal with an offside decision, which would have been a lot clearer if the flag can just go up. You know, it would make his life easier, and then he could have maybe seen that incident 
But instead, they're trying to work out if someone, someone's onside or offside because, again, we, we're just fiddling with the rules. So that's it for me. I just can't stand the total constant fiddling. It, it just feels like every summer there's a couple more. You know, the handball rule. How many times has the handball rule changed? You know, the one against Southampton when the lad basically blocked the shot being on goal with his hand. All right, his hand was down by his side, but he was still stretching out unnaturally and, and stopping a shot from, from reaching the goal. And then that isn't a handball. I just don't understand it. I don't understand. Why is that not a handball now? Why was it was it before? Again, the handball tr- rule changes that often. It's changed mid-season this year. They were giving handballs left, right and centre after a couple of months. And now yeah. they've stopped giving them. Like, how does... That doesn't seem fair either. Do you change a rule mid-season? Well, it's a subsection of the rule that says they're not allowed to give them against Liverpool or for Liverpool. That's, all. That, that's what it is. It is a nuisance. But you, you make a good point there, Joe, is that, is that we do give refs stick. And I suppose half the time they're thinking, I don't want to implement this either because it confuses everything that I've been trying to do as a referee. Uh, and they're expected to make to make different decisions sort of overnight, aren't they? But um, very frustrating. We've come to the end of our time, guys. We've just done our 40... Just over 45 minutes. We always like to play a half. Um, thank you once again. So, listen, Upamakano, uh, Loic Bade, all these names being, you know, Botman, all these names being chucked in. We have till the 1st of February to find out whether anyone is going to come and join the ranks and, and, and put a bit of stability into Liverpool Football Club or whether indeed, which, you know, we hope more than anything else, Liverpool can do it themselves with the with the uh, the personnel they have got. Gorsty, thank you once again, mate. I really appreciate you adding your opinion to the show, adding your 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 knowledge, your footballing weight. <laughs> thanks very much. I really appreciate it, Joe. Thanks very much again to you. Who was on the front of your mug, by the way? It's the devil, isn't it? It's um, Frenchy. <laughs> oh, <God>, hilarious. <laughs> Rattling the cage, Rush. <laughs> all right, thanks, Joe. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, I'll see you all again soon. Uh, thank you all for listening once again. Keep safe. Keep wearing your masks. I won't tell you again. And, um, and we'll see you on the next Poetry Emotion up the red. Come on, let's get a victory and three points against United and put us back on top of that pitch. Uh, thanks, guys. See you all again soon. You've been listening to the Poetry Emotion podcast on the Blood Red channel.